Welcome to In Between the Record. I'm your host, John, and this is... Uh, your other host, Hollis, and how you guys doing and how you guys been? We're just two guys having a chat about the obscure, mysterious, and paranormal. In this podcast, we'll dive into some less well-known conspiracies and discuss our spin on them. But most of all, it's about having fun. So join us. We embark on this journey. How you doing, Hollis? I'm doing pretty well. Um, long week at work. Um, you know, over 60 plus hours this week. Um, enjoying a nice, beautiful Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday evening. Um, went out with, uh, running with my dog earlier today and went out with dinner with my friends in the evening. And now I'm here doing our podcast. So I'm Very excited. Cool. It's been, it was a pretty satisfying and tiring week. How about you, sir? Uh, I'd say I did absolutely nothing today, which I'm overwhelmed with gratitude about. Uh, not a thing to do. Uh, worked all week, and it was exhausting as well, more mentally than anything else. Um, and yeah, I basically just relaxed and uh, watched YouTube videos about old technology, specifically the Tandy. I just went on a whole... Uh, playlist about the Tandy, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. I owned one of those, by the way. I, my it's brother true. and father and I, we owned one of those. Uh, we had oh. an old Commodore 64, Commodore 128, and a good old Tandy with the uh, oh, the tape man. drives. The tape drives. Yeah, they used like tapes, like literal tapes, like the kind that you like, not not, not like not VHS tapes, but like how do you describe them? They're like tape tapes. Yeah, Nobody like tape deck, a... tape for your tape, tape deck, deck that you that you get music on, and you have side A on one side and side B on the other. Right. Yeah, stop recording one. Yeah, it's crazy that they used to have uh, programs on them. Interesting how that stuff worked. Mm-hmm. But today we are talking about a gentleman by the name of David Kelly, who was at the very pinnacle of his career, a brilliant scientist world-renowned inspector of biological weapon sites. He had worked everywhere from Britain's top-secret military labs at Port and Downs to ex-Soviet weapons facilities to alleged weapons of mass destruction caches in war-torn Iraq. But when he questioned an aspect of the UK's government justification for going to war in a 45-minute claim... He found himself in a whole new type of conflict zone, which led to a very mysterious death. True that. True that. Um, there's a, there's a lot behind this guy's death. Um, if you really get down into it, um, and we'll be getting into it in, in a few moments. But he, he, one side says that he committed suicide, and you know I can see that. But the other side says that he uh, was killed. Killed either by the British government or the U.S. government, and I can see men that in as black. well. Yeah, it, quite literally, men in black. Um, <laughs> and with with equal to, I guess, knowledge of, as you do, um, I I think it's very actually possible, probable that he did have plausible. Yeah, that he did have some idea that he wanted to eventually end his own life um and i i think i but i also think that there's also it stands the reason that somebody wanted to end his life as well um and and that's that's where i'm coming from and that's where i'm going towards and and we'll get to it so so when did he die um uh, he died on the 17th of July, 2003, in Oxfordshire, Oxfordshire, England, just across the pond. Yep, um, Southmore was the, the city that he lived in. Now, if you look at Southmore on Google Maps, and I encourage you to do it, um, of course, Google Maps is always updated to the most recent year or pretty darn close to it. Uh, you, you're talking about a town uh, that is not very long. Um, what are we looking at? What's the name of the city? Southmore. Southmore and Abington. Um, Southmore, Abington. Yep. It's a small village yep. in England. Less than a mile long. L- less than a mile long. And uh, the total width of it is less than 2,000 feet wide. So we're talking... Hmm. 
not a very large town. It has a it has a primary school, has a hair studio, um, has a few pubs. No surprises there. Uh, as nursery, um, and of course it has a, a you know a, a small uh, you know like village you know common market. Yeah, I'm taking a look um, at it now. It's a, it looks like a little affluent town. Yeah, um, he lived across across the way from a uh, from a bar, catty corner almost, um, from a bar, and he had one of the larger houses in town because of his stature and because of what he did. Um, he lived there with his wife, who had pretty s- severe uh, arthritis, and so she didn't get out much. Um, but the small town suited them both. The other thing that was very interesting is, at least in the things that I read, he's a pretty devoted husband. Um, he was really, really a, just a solid, upstanding husband and, and a really good guy to her, um, which fits in with his personality. Uh, you read quite a bit of, let's, let's back it up. When he died, there was a report called the Hutton Report that came out, uh, and you read and you read it. Uh, what did the Hutton Report say about his personality, or did he even delve into it? Oh, he's a very astute, co- collegiate individual. Uh, he was very matter-of-fact, very logical, he, and, and and cared very much about his family, his children, his wife. In fact, he, he met his wife in college. They college sweethearts, essentially. Um, you know, he he. He was a lifelong scholar, and um, he was involved in many, many, many investigations. Uh, Soviet violations in 1972, Biological Weapons Convention. He was a key member of the inspection team visiting the former USSR on several occasions uh, between 91 and 94. I mean, this guy, the list goes on and on, uh, the amount of credentials he, he had and authorizations he had. He, he had full carte blanche to speak to the press. He was very, very heavily trusted by the government. And squeaky clean. Squeaky clean record. You couldn't find a single mark. So we're talking about a guy here. Um, and, and, and this is in reference to what you just said. He was so trusted by international governments that he didn't need to ask permission to speak to the press or anybody else. Right. He had right. full right to speak to, not getting permission, anybody who came and spoke to him to say anything he wanted. And they knew that he was going to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but, period. And the national government, international governments, NGOs, all sat on it and said this guy is going to speak nothing but the truth so he can see whatever he wants to whoever he wants mm-hmm. um, whatever he wants and that that is absolutely huge name somebody today in america england i don't know uh russia that doesn't that isn't a you know prime minister or president that has that ability that's in government well, i have yet to see someone who has that kind of clearance um, I, you know, I, I can't. He, think, I can't think of anybody. And you knew, you knew he had highly confidential information that he could not disclose. It, he was trusted not to disclose that information. So being trusted to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, with the exception of highly classified documents and information, you know, uh, specifically weapons of mass destruction, which led to a dossier. That we'll talk about here in a minute. <clears throat> um, so I guess I, I guess where I would like to take it, with your permission, is you know, let's let's take a brief brief view of the Iraq War. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, being in college during 9/11, it, it still confounds me that there's 18 year olds that are were born after 9/11. Um, mm-hmm. That just that just works my brain. So let's 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 go in a little time machine and go back to the. The, the second the, the second Iraqi war. <laughs> um, my time machine, that time loop thing. So, so of course, what, what, what kicked it all off was 9-11, right? Um, uh, it's, 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 yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And That's what kicked it off, right? Yeah, and 9-11, realistically, um, was a... Uh, 
you know, whatever you want to say about it, conspiracy this, conspiracy that, you know, watch Loose Change, watch a bunch of other different, you know, shows and movies and whatever about 9-11. Mm-hmm. What happened, happened. Um, we went into Afghanistan. Um, and to be honest, I was very for, and I didn't know anybody. And I mean anybody. <laughs> who wasn't really interested in going to Afghanistan. We wanted to go and bag and tag Osama bin Laden. Um, and we went, and you know, eventually, you know, quote-unquote, we got him. Um, that's another conspiracy theory there. Um, but we then turned our eyes to Iraq. And this is where it got a little funny. And, it, and, and you know, hindsight being 2020, and a lot of people had that 2020 at the time, there was a bait and switch going on. They would say that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. They would say that he has biological and chemical weapons. Now, it was proven, because they used them, that he had chemical weapons on his own people in the 1980s. The Kurds, right. After the first Iraq war, he destroyed all of them. And that's what you know, this gentleman, David Kelly, was going into Iraq for. He was going into expect that they had really, truly destroyed everything. Um, moving forward beyond that, Saddam Hussein stopped the weapons inspectors for a short time. Um, and that precipitated the uh-huh. U.S. government and the British government being fearful that he could go ahead and attack the United States via terror weapon, um, whether it be yellow cake, which is uh, uranium. Uh, it's not it's not enough uranium to make a nuclear bomb, but it is a nuclear bomb insofar that it spreads radiation everywhere and makes an area in, uninhabitable. Sure. Or chemical weapons or biological weapons. <laughs> David Kelly was looking for the bioweapons. Um, but he had access to the information for the other types of weapons that were in Iraq. We're talking um, about like mustard gas. We're talking about uh, sarin gas, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and um, well, sarin is is a is a is a bioweapon. Um, no, a correction. I I am incorrect in that. I apologize. Um, I was thinking of something else. Damn um, you, Hollis! You're supposed yeah. to know everything, man. This is why I, you're I, on the show. I caught it. I caught it myself. I caught it myself. <laughs> um, and so, uh, with that, um, with that, uh, basically, what it all comes down to is that it was, it was pretty much game over um, for Saddam. Now, hindsight being 2020, the U.S. government. Um, asked the the government of England to go ahead and put all of their information down on the line and see if they could get enough information to go ahead and justify attacking Iraq, a sovereign nation, without any justification, or or or, mm-hmm. or, or, or attacking them before they attacked us. Um, what was written. And, and and please, John, go into what was written because you read the, the Sutton report. Um, was go ahead. You know, what, what did they say? I don't have the Sutton report, the Hutton report in front of me, gotcha. um, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to specifically quote. And I didn't read the whole thing. It, it's it's a very it's 13 chapters long and over 300 pages. Uh, so it's a very drawn out, boring, black and white type of official report. And you know it goes into anthrax and you know what they were looking for what was found um i'm sitting here i'm trying to find the hunt report i had it online and i can't seem to find it there i'll I'll, I'll, I'll go into a few things that were that were talked about by our government the the british government that had nothing to do with the certain part where you look for it um we claimed that he had a giant saddam hussein had a giant gun that could shoot shells from iraq all the way across syria and into his uh never existed <laughs> like didn't exist um complete total bs um we claimed that they had uh these trucks that would run around and and produce bioweapons um and chemical weapons uh, no when we found the trucks they were really for what the iraqis said they were for making hydrogen so they could float balloons for weather balloons um you know they had these underground facilities that had you were making bioweapons. Nope, never existed. 
that they had bought yellow cake, the plutonium, or sorry, the uranium, uh, from Africa. Nope, never happened. Um, these are all known lies. Uh, the biggest one that got Dr. Kelly in trouble was 45 minutes. What I mean by 45 minutes is it was said by the British intelligence that Saddam Hussein yep, could, could fit within five minutes get a missile up and ready to launch and then launch that scud off and have it land in Germany and have it land possibly in England in 45 minutes and spread bio-warfare or chemical weapons in an English city or German city or an Italian city. Scary. Yep, which is terrifying. Um, you know, drop smallpox in Rome. Aerialized. Spread over a mile. Within five anthrax. minutes. Drop anthrax. Same thing. You're, you're talking hundreds and thousands of dead. Um, that's terrifying. But, you know, what, what was the reality of that, John? <laughs> the, the report largely exonerated the government um, in, in the report. Um, basically, there was no weapons of mass destruction. Um, the, the report shows that a lot of the documents were, quote, sexed up. And Kelly would end up on a report uh, being interviewed by the BBC in a dossier a 45-minute dossier, which is interesting, um, where he basically confirmed this. And, you know, you keep, we keep going back to this Hutton report. Listen, I'm, I'm not an expert in the Hutton report part. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have quotes here. I'm not prepared with the Hutton report, but, but I did look over it. Uh, and I, and I, 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 I almost fell asleep while reading it, so... Uh, the point is that he he was found dead a day after he testified in front of a committee. Basically, the the, the whole thing looked suspicious from the get go. There was a lot involved in it. Now, you have a lot of expertise in the events surrounding the actual search of weapons of mass destruction you've got some names you want to get into um the report basically said that that the wordings of the dossier had been altered to present the strongest possible case for a war within the bounds of available intelligence and that some of these changes had been suggested by a gentleman by the name of alistair campbell who you're familiar with Uh, Reservations had been expressed by experts within the Intelligence Committee about the wording of the dossier. David Kelly had direct contact with the centers within the Defense Intelligence staff and had communicated their reservations and his own to several journalists, basically saying this is bullshit. There's no reason to go in there. There is no weapons of mass destruction. He destroyed them. We have no evidence of it. This needs to stop. Following Dr. Kelly's decision to come forward as one of Gillian's contacts. Now, Gillian is the BBC interviewer. Uh, Alistair Campbell and uh, Geoff Hoon had wanted Kelly's identity to be made public. Dr. Kelly's name had been confirmed after journalists had made multiple suggestions to, uh, at the at an MOD press office. Yeah, it was like 20... 20- 21 times or something they mm-hmm. like they asked like is it this guy is it this guy is it this guy and they're just like yeah it's that guy it's like they just wanted him to be outed the the government wanted him to be outed it was patently obvious um and, but i think we should back up a second just real quick sure. just to just to remind people what's going on here um so in from November 2002 to, to March 2003, the UN monitoring team um, went to Iraq and they inspected Iraq 700 times. There were 700 inspections in five months in Iraq. Like, w- they found nothing. 
absolutely nothing. So then you go back and then you go to uh, a gentleman. Uh, oh God, I'm blanking in his name. Uh, Colin Powell. And right. Colin, Colin Powell in February goes ahead and makes a speech. And he uses this information saying that they were 45 minutes from nowhere. And there's there's, there's uh, tons and tons of YouTube videos and other things on the 17 times this he is, lied. It was um, in front of it, the United Nations Security Council where he was yeah. holding a little vial of anthrax, like a fake bottle of anthrax, and trying Same to convince this, these people that this yeah, was going it, on. This could kill this many people. Um, it, and it was, it was just crap. Um, and so then, that was in early February. February 25th, us, us in the UK, we sent a uh, resolution to the the UN saying, "Hey, we're going to attack. They missed their final opportunity, um, but we're going to go ahead and attack them." Uh, France, Russia, Germany also went ahead and and opposed it. Then, following that, on March 10th, um, they told we're going to they're going to go ahead and and veto it. Uh, but they also gave uh, we tried to. Uh, give Iraq seven days to disarm. Well, seven days to disarm is something that doesn't exist. You know, mm-hmm. like like you need you know you need to you know get rid of your tank that you're living that's hiding in your living room. I don't have a tank in in the living room. Yes, you do. Yes, you, you do. Of, yeah, I I can't I can't disarm something I don't have. We're gonna attack you anyway. Um. So on, on the on the seventeenth, um. You know, basically, they said we're going to go ahead and smash you. Um, on the twentieth, that's when it the, the bombing started. Uh, for those of us who saw it, it was shock and awe. Uh, yeah, we bombed the ever-loving snot out of them, um, and I—I I mean, it was bad. There was nothing left. The A-10 started raking. You know, the retreating Iraqi army. Um, it was—it was mass slaughter. There were rivers of blood. It was one of the nastiest engagements that has ever happened it was almost completely one-sided um it was pretty horrific for the iraqi army um you know and that's march 20th we we then by april 9th hit baghdad and by may 1st if if you remember him being on the on the nimitz um you know little bush you know flew flew on onto you know nimitz and then had a sign behind him saying mission accomplished and he said the war is over yeah um and so around this time um or through that time is when david kelly gives his his interview and he says that that you know this is bunk and a lot of other people you know previous to this dossier going out etc with the 700 inspections that happened all the people who were on the ground said this is bullshit 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 and we went in for no reason so he gives this interview um he, he apparently gave two different interviews um and one of the interviews that he gave to uh was a guy named andrew gilligan um it was May twenty second, two thousand three. Three. Yep. And so, Charing Cross Hotel in London. Yeah. And so this is after mission accomplished, um, where you know you have to imagine that you know David Kelly, who didn't find any weapons of mass destruction, his the government above him is saying that he did find stuff or was going to find stuff, and he did it. He's probably pretty pissed. He so, Kelly believed it was most likely that Iraq had retained some biological weapons after the end of inspections. Um, but nowhere near enough to to inflict any damage whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so. So Andrew Gilligan is a really strange duck. Um, at the time, he was working for uh, BBC's Radio 4's Today program. Um, what would be a good example? Uh, well, BBC is their equivalent to NPR. Um, but it would be one of the more famous NPR programs, um, like you know the evening radio programs. I mean, it, it, pretty pretty. It was big a Today time. program. It was, t- yeah. it was uh it was Today on BBC Four is what they yeah. called it. So after after the Hutton report, he gets fired, um, which is pretty important. I mean, he, he gets canned in, in two thousand and three. Um, but who did he then start working for? He starts working for a guy named Boris Johnson at The Spectator. Why does that name sound familiar to me? 
because he's the prime minister of England currently. Oh, okay. There you go. (laughs) Funny how that one works. Hey, Um, you know, I'm just your normal average American. Why the hell should I know that? You know, most of us don't. So there you go. I claim ignorance. I claim America. So (laughs) So this is even this goes even crazier. So he then goes ahead, and in the early aughts, uh, he starts really going in and, and researching the mayor of, of London, and basically single-handedly smashes the mayor of, of London, right? Um, you know, basically just gets him gets him out of the race. Now he he won uh, journalist of the year for the British press awards, press awards, excuse me, for his view of the mayoral elections in London. Well, guess who became the mayor of London after he outed the old guy? Just guess. Just guess. I already said his name. Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. So so then, uh, good old Boris Johnson, um, then he goes ahead and makes uh, our our good friend, Mr. Gilligan, um, basically in, in, in in uh, what's my call it? Uh, he's he was appointed to be the cycling commissioner of London. Um, now that cycling, you know, commissioner of, of London gave him the governmental wherewithal, the governmental experience that then allowed him to go ahead and be appointed as the transport advisor by the new prime minister Boris Johnson in 2019. Mm-hmm. So he gets outed, he loses his job with the BBC. Boris takes him on. He then gets Boris's, the person who's running against Boris, or Boris, Boris is running against him, really, gets the incumbent thrown out. He gets Boris elected into the the mayor of London Post. He then gets a cush job from him, which is later used as an excuse to have him be the transport advisor. Now, he's, he's, a, he's a journalist, and he's the transport advisor for Boris Johnson. I mean, like, you, you can't get more crazier than that. Yeah, um, that, this, that rabbit hole gets deep, and, and yeah. he was. And Gilligan was fired after Kelly essentially told, I guess, a colleague of his, Olivia Bosch, mm-hmm. um, who kept her job, who kept her job. Kept, yep. Yep. But uh, but the, the meeting was Gill- with Gill- Gilligan was unauthorized. He he didn't. There was no approval. And he also believed that he was not the primary source of information. This is what he was trying to say in the hearing that occurred um, not too long after that. That's when mm-hmm. Kelly um, was, let me see here, Foreign Affairs Committee on July 15th, right? Yep. He appeared in front of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee and he appeared to be under severe stress which was probably increased by the televising of the proceedings. He spoke with a voice so soft that the air conditioning equipment had to be turned off, even though it was one of the hottest days of the year. Um, and he, he goes on to explain that this was sexed up. Uh, this, the, the information that they are touting in this, in this expose is not what I reported basically making Kelly a fall guy here, you know. Completely and totally agree with that one. Um, which which I think puts me in, in into the mindset of, you know, where where was he in his own head on on July fifteenth through the seventeenth? Right. Um, you know, and, and you got to get there and of course I never knew the man. Never spoke to him. I've never been to his town. I mean, the closest I've gotten is I, I looked at his his house on Google Street. Uh, seriously, uh, that's the closest I've been there. Um, and you know, going back, his dad left early, like really early in his life, and his mom really wasn't the best type of mom. Um, and then she committed suicide with barbiturates um, when he was in college, and. When you go back through when MI5 spoke to him and did a psych profile on him, they said that the death of his mom was not a negative in his life. It was a positive because it made him work harder. Now, 
is this a guy who's you know let's let's be honest the guy's iq is 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 higher than the vast majority of people on the planet um sure. so is he just good at really covering it up so was he really depressed about his mom now you know depression's a disease suicide is 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 a result of a disease in my opinion i'm no doctor but this is my opinion and so a lot I of disease, right? yeah, a, a lot of diseases are passed down from mom to kid you know um schizophrenia or dad to kid um schizophrenia uh mild mental retardation um a bunch of these things are you know you know upwards of 30 percent or more hey so, i have that uh, no, you don't. You're brilliant. Um, <laughs> so Smile. Yeah, Smile. You're, you're, you're one of the smartest people I know it's on you. Um, so, so what I'm thinking is, is like, did, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Did, did, did he think? I mean, he had to have thought. And, and correct me if I'm wrong or, or support me on this. Do whatever you like. He had to have thought his career was gone. At this point? Yeah. Yeah, but he could have just... You know, he could have slowly backed into the bush and retired, and he had lived, the lived out the rest of his life with his, you know, with his his wife, and, and, the, and his kids were in college. You know, his daughters were in college, and um, just just be done with it. Do you no, think his ego and his pride it was so much in the way that that this one fuck up? Could potentially lead to him walking out into a field, taking some pain pills, and cutting his cutting his wrist, killing uh, I mean, uh, so 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 y- yes, but and 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 hear me out. There's there's one thing that we we failed to mention, um, and this is shortly before his death. Um, he was supposed to go and visit Iraq again to look for weapons of mass destruction, um, and his own government went ahead and didn't fill out the visa paperwork for Kuwait before he went. Right, he didn't have the proper documentation. That was May 19, 2003. He was prevented from entering Iraq from Kuwait because he did not have the proper documentation. So the writing was already on the wall. What sort of idiot in in, in MI5, MI6, or whatever, you know, whatever was doing it, this guy's been to that country 50 plus times. Mm-hmm. Nobody else ever had that problem before. I mean, the writing's on the wall. It already looked like they were going to put, they were going to set somebody up, right? Yeah, they didn't want him to go in there and see that there were no weapons. They, they were trying to prevent that from happening, it looks like. Because he ended up successfully entering Iraq um, from the 5th to the 11th of June. So we're getting right up to when this ha- when when he did he he did just a month later pretty much yeah so man de- man did yeah so he gets cut he gets he, he's not allowed in, in, into Iraq so he's like if he's a smart man he's seeing the writing on the wall and so remember he said also that he wasn't the guy who went ahead and make those comments so so well he admitted to making some of them but not all of them. So let's let's kick the ballistics here. You got a guy that's so trustworthy by international multinational organizations and NGOs that has a free ticket to go ahead and speak to the press whenever he wants. He's then accused of not asking permission. Well, he didn't have to ask permission. He was told he didn't have to ask permission. He gets prevented to go prevented to going into the country and doing his job. Everybody else went ahead and went to that country except for him. He was the only one that they had that mess up. He's the only one ever to have that mess up. Mm-hmm. He gets outed. He gets outed, like intentionally outed by the British government. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then the British government at that point is pretty, pretty clear to me. Like I was against the war before it started. Uh, it was pretty clear to me and a lot of other people. This was dressed up BS. And so they needed to go ahead and find somebody that would take everybody's mind off of it. And also tell everybody who had the ability to say something to shut, forgive my French, the fuck up or pay the price. <laughs> right? That doesn't not mean... French. Yeah, they doesn't... <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, you know, fangul. Um, fangul, yeah. So, yeah, so, they, so, so you have that. So the, there's the, men, you know, the, the, the qui bono. 
British government, U.S. government, they want him dead. But also, look at him, man. He knows all this. He knows that it, it could be really ugly for him soon. You know? He's going to get excoriated. He's going to be destroyed. He didn't want to go on national television because he never wanted to be the guy at the front. He's a quiet dude with a wife with arthritis that lives in a small, tiny-ass town that teetotals at the bar across the street, caddy corner from his house. It goes on five-mile walk Utter humiliation is what he faced. It, Utter humiliation and the end of a long, illustrious professional career. Spotless career spotless and so did could i imagine him trying to kill himself at that point with with his family history no offense um to that uh and with his mindset with with the fact that he's you know he's what we would call a boy scout and now he's going to get escorted to the press i mean could you could you could you see a logical like yeah i mean i've i've heard of i've heard of people killing themselves for for far less if that if that's what you're getting at, I mean, you know, there's a kid who there was he had like an Acorn app, and the app told him that he had lost all of his money on like a stock, and he killed himself, and it was just like a it was like a like an error in the app, you know, just stupid people people do these things, so <clears throat> it's not outrageous to think that he did, but the circumstances surrounding the debt are bizarre just the, the lackadaisical investigating the 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 amount of errors how he was found what was found on him what, what was, was in found, his system what was found on him which time and how he was found which time <laughs> right it just 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 bizarre after bizarre after bizarre if you know if the guy was found in his study with a bullet hole in his head and a gun on his lap, it would have been case closed. Nothing. There, there would have been no, no. The guy killed himself because of being humiliated over this this weapons of mass destruction thing. You know, he he was trying to say, look, the only thing that they did find was a hydrogen plant plant that was that was designed to fill balloons. You know, it, it was that's the the most that they could find. They're not, and he goes, they're not mobile germ warfare laboratories. You cannot use them for making biological weapons. They do not even look like them. They're exactly what the Iraqis said. They were facilities for the production of hydrogen gas to fill balloons. Exactly correct. And damning. Yeah. So, you know, he knew things that were going on. He, he understood the severity of it. We all know why they went into Iraq. It wasn't because of weapons of mass destruction. You know, it. Osama bin Laden heads up one of the largest terror terror organizations in the world. Claims responsibility for it. You know, that's a whole other episode. We 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 know it was it. it we knew he was in the foothills of. He was in the in the in in. in he, we knew he was in Pakistan. We knew where the organization was. We knew it was Al Qaeda. And then we go to Iraq, you know. So there's there's a there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, it could be a, a forty hour discussion. The, I, the guy I, stumbled upon something that he really didn't want to have any anything to do. He didn't want any part of it. It was trying. He was trying to tell the truth, and he ends up getting caught up in this. So, so you know, how did what's, how did how did you know, you and I both know. We both know. But, but please tell the listeners, how did how did he supposedly die? Um, what was found on him? Where he was found? What what he was quote unquote doing? And and just just tell tell me about his death. He died of a suicide in Oxfordshire, England, uh, from a it was a suicide hemorrhage from incised wounds on the left wrist, in combination with coproc proximal ingest ingestion and cord coronary artery osteosclerosis. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Ethereal sclerosis. Say heart disease. Mm -hmm. Unknown heart disease. And a handful of these these weak ass freaking opiates that couldn't even get a junk. It, it wouldn't. 
you, you'd have to take a lot of these things to get high, basically. Um, yes. And they didn't find enough in his system. There wasn't enough in his system that would deem toxic to the point of death. Yes. Um, and when he when he severed his wrist, and he did sever his wrist, he severed his ulnar artery. Um, and and that is that is not really a a big artery. Um, that's not even an artery that you can really bleed to death from. Um, well, ulnar artery cuts. You'd have to sit there. It, it would it would be a horrific death. In it would be a in... long, terrible, drawn out, exhausting, fucking death. You'd have to sit there with your arm. You'd have to have your 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 fingers prying open your artery, and slow. It would take hours for you to lose enough blood to lose consciousness. If you lost enough blood, because if you have any clotting factor at all inside your body, um, it's going to heal itself. Uh, when when we went over this, and when when I got my medical degree, uh, well, I should say certification. Excuse me. Um, we went over this artery because it's a it's a def it's a, a defensive artery. It's a defensive wound. It's on the uh, bottom. So if you put take your fist and you put your fist in front of you, and then you go ahead and turn your knuckles to the side, the ulnar artery is, you know, basically inside the the ulna um, on the outside of your arm, on the bottom side of your forearm. Um, to get there, you're gonna have to dig for it. Mm -hmm. um, really dig for it um and then it has so so little blood flow i shouldn't say so little blood flow it's little enough blood flow that will clot itself um so realistically you're not going to bleed to death from this unless you're sitting in a bath of hot water and you're not letting it go ahead and clot so that's probably not the cause of death now how much blood do however they find how much blood did they find not, not much at all no. hardly any which is another bozo bizarre leading a conspiracy theory type of thing i mean if the guy sat there and bled out for hours on end <clears throat> you would see more blood surrounding him there was some on the bottle of water that he had there mm -hmm. he, there was some on his on his leg and and the body had been altered it had been moved he supposedly wasn't wearing a jacket when he left according to his wife but had a jacket on when he was discovered and in his jacket was a cell phone, his flip phone, and the open packet of Coproximal. And no, I could they ping the cell phone? I mean, this is 2003. They, you know, they, they were looking for the guy for. They couldn't. Um, and and this is when I did my deep, 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 deep dive into this thing. Uh, this is where I was like, I took I took a step back when I when I read this. Um, they couldn't because. His town is so small; they didn't have a cell tower back then, um, mm. and and they had to go when they started looking for him. Um, they had to raise a fifty-foot mini communications tower just outside the home, so that they could go ahead and coordinate the search for him. Wow! Um, and so he would, when he would get home, he would turn his phone off because it was useless to keep it on, which begs the question. Why did he have a cell phone on him? When he's just going for a twenty-minute walk that he did every day. It's not. It, was, it wasn't a twenty-minute walk. It's it's one point nine miles there and one point nine miles back, plus about a half oh. a mile of running around the woods. So it's like an hour and a half walk. But but still the same. Right. Like like why does why does he have a cell phone? Um, and I, I think I think before we go into how I really think he died, I think uh, my best guess is for him actually committing suicide. Would you like to hear it? Because I have a scenario in my head of how he did it. Yes. Then um, we're going to have to make a decision as to whether we're going to keep going on this episode or keep our episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our very first episode, so appreciate you listening. And am overwhelmed with gratitude for those listeners. And uh, we're going to keep them coming as often as possible. I believe this needs to be at least a two-part episode. Because this episode was heavily, heavily 
heavily involved with the background of this gentleman, uh, what he was involved in, what was going on, what led to his death. I think we need to have an episode, an hour episode on his death and the events surrounding it, because it's just way too, you know, we'd be, we'd be here for another hour talking about this. So we need to talk about that, but tell me your theory. And then what you think about that opinion there, if we should do a second episode on David Kelly. I, I'd like to, I'd, I would, I think we should break it into episodes. Um, and if we do do that, we'll just erase all this. Let's be honest. Um, no. You, okay. Well, then, then let's, let's talk. This is fantastic. This is, this is, yeah. We should, we guys, break we it. already did an episode, just so you know. We did an episode and we scratched it, so this is, we're we're keeping this. This is going. And so uh, I think we should, I think we should split it into two episodes, but I'd like to keep going tonight because I think we're I think we're on a roll and we're about to really get to the meat. Um, okay. And I like to, like to meet it out. So this is how I this is get how it I out, think. Baby. Get it out. Yeah, yeah, baby, I got this. Uh, so this is how I think he offed himself. If he offed himself, I don't think he offed himself. Um, so he goes right. And his, whether his wife knew that he had a jacket or not, I mean, like, how many times have I come back into the house and my wife not noticed I come back into the house and I grab something and I leave? Probably. Right, but have you been doing not, it for 40 years? And, you not, know. Yeah. And, and no, I've, I've been married to her for a year, a year this weekend. Um, but I've, I probably haven't done it very often because she's really she's really smart and astute. Um, oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. This, this so weekend is, is eight days from now. Yeah. It's been a year. Yeah, it's way, way too long, um, way Good too time. short. Um, so, anyways, uh, this time. is what I think. This is what I think he happened. This is what I think happened. Um, he wanted to. He wanted to go ahead. He was thinking about taking a walk. So he took a walk in the woods, right? Uh, so he took with him a knife, a knife that he had from his childhood. Okay, uh, a knife that he he'd used hundreds and hundreds of times for gardening, etc. Um, he, he takes his propanol, or you. The, the drug that he took, I I can't pronounce it. Coproximal. Coproximal. He then goes ahead and you know takes a takes a bottle of water on a five mile hike. I always take a bottle of water. Um, he goes up to the top of this beautiful place that overlooks you know his town because it's on the top of a nice beautiful hill. It's really gorgeous. Um, it's it's about three football fields long of this hill and about two football fields wide of beautiful like knob wooded area it's gorgeous um I'm if you look looking up, at the overhead the bird's eye view yeah it's it's gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous and then if you look at if you look at the photos of you know it being in there um it's 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 really pretty um and the trees are spaced far apart and it's just it's just a wonderful spot now he goes up there he, he knows his career's over He's in a nice little place where he, he, he knows that he can, you know, end his own days. Um, he takes he takes the pills, right? And he's in he's in a he's in a deep crash, you know, he's in a he's in a psychic downward spiral. He takes his, he takes the pills. Right? The the pills don't really aren't really doing anything because they won't. Um, and it's, this is more of like a cry for help. He realizes it's not going to happen, so he takes his, his his childhood knife, his knife from his youth, and then he goes ahead and tries to cut his wrists. The thing is so damn dull that it won't make it through the skin of his wrist. Right. So in order to go ahead and make it through the skin of his wrist, he has to put downward pressure as well as upward pressure in order to slit his wrist. Okay. Well, in order to get that extra pressure, you're not going to have your palm facing towards the blade. You're going to have your palm facing towards your other hand. And then you're going to saw. And that's why he hit his ulnar artery and not the other arteries across the wrist on the bottom. Because hmm. he was trying to get the added pressure. Um, he was outside in the cold as well, which constricts blood flow. But cold in England in the middle of July is, is not is not horrific. It's still in the seventies, sixties, um, but you know it's 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 not terribly cold. Uh, so he does that, and I think the the psychic death that he was feeling and the psychic problems he was feeling basically gives him a heart attack. Now there are cases of police officers who get shot in the deltoid with a twenty-two caliber round non-lethal is non-lethal can get and they go oh my god i've been shot and they keel over dead 
they're not going to die. They're not going to bleed out. Their deltoid's been hit, but they think they're going to die, and so their body just goes, I'm dead, and they fall over. So I think he had a heart attack, or I think he may have, you know, been so upset and so distraught that he had maybe an aneurysm or something like that, which leads me there into... Were no, there was no aneurysm. They didn't find an aneurysm. Oh, oh well, go ahead. That, well, they, they sealed his medical records for 70 years. To, 70 to... Years. years so we don't really know um but you know this is this is the most plausible thing i can come up with um and and even me saying it is 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 i think it's crazy talk um like this is the this is the the only thing i can come up with that he got messed up on the pills um he he couldn't cut his wrist with a dull knife so he did it the only way he could do it, which is turning his elbow, you know, his 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 wrist down, pushing against it. He finally got the older nerve. He got the squirter he wanted. Um, he passes out. He vomits everywhere, which the, he had vomit when they found him. Um, and then, you know, he dies. Uh, that I don't even believe it. Couple that's things. The best, that's the best I could come up with. Couple things I'd like to point out. Um, yeah. <clears throat> in December 2010, the Times reported that Dr. Kelly had a rare abnormality in the arteries supplying his heart. Uh, the information had been disclosed by the head of the Academic Unit of Pathology at Sheffield University Medical School, uh, Professor Paul Inks. I'm probably murdering this guy's last name, but Paul Inks, Inks he noted that the postmortem had found severe gnawing or narrowing of the blood vessels. It said that heart disease was likely to have been a factor in Kelly's death, as the cut to the wrist would not itself have been fatal. So that is sort of contributing to your theory that the stress induced by the injury and the basic overwhelming stress of the event could have led to a heart attack, because he already had unknown heart disease that was undetected. Um, also, there's some ominous things that Kelly had said prior to this, well, obviously prior to, prior to his death. Um, he had an interview, he had, he had, uh, spoke with the ministry, uh, where is it? He talked to the Ministry of Defense. He told some, somebody that he would be, if, if we went into Iraq, if we invaded Iraq, He'd be found what, dead on some hill. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a couple ominous things there um, that it could be conjecture, could be hearsay. You know, the, the guy could have been making it up um, that, that this is what Kelly said. And the emails that were found on his computer that were sent the, the day he died were normal. There was no indication that the man was depressed. There was no indication that he, he that there was anything going on that would that would give anybody any ideas that he might be suicidal. But then again, that could just be part of his plan. He didn't want anybody to suspect it. He didn't want anybody to stop him. So he just carried on like every day, did his normal thing, and then did his thing. I mean, some people go through great lengths to hide their suicide. Did you hear about the guy in West Palm Beach who was found dead with a bullet hole in his head in a golf course by his house and nobody knew how the hell the guy, how the, how, why he was shot, who shot him. There's no surveillance footage, nothing. And it turns out the guy got a weather balloon, tied his gun to the weather balloon, and not not necessarily a weather balloon, but this big helium balloon, and shot himself in the head. And as he's falling, the balloon carried the gun away. And so the, the only reason they knew that he killed himself is because they went through his Google like Google searches and they found like how to kill yourself with without people knowing how to like, you know, 
Otherwise, no one would have ever known. It would have just been his insurance would have paid out to his family, what I think he was planning on doing. You know, so no, no one will really know. But the, the evidence does indicate that this is this is something that he that he did. That he, he he killed himself. But, but why? Why all the bullshit in the investigation? You know, I think this is what we would need to discuss in the second episode, because there are so many inaccuracies in how they handled that case. Are these Completely. are these are these police officers or are officers of the peace? Were they so ill-equipped because it was such a, you know, affluent, boring town where nothing ever happened that they just didn't have the wherewithal to conduct a proper forensic investigation? Or was there something to it? You know, there's there's been there was there was an independent. Um, there's 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 been there's a lot of doubts into his suicide. In, in 2009, six doctors began legal actions to demand a formal inquest into the death. There was insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he killed himself. In 2010, it was dis- disclosed that Lord Hutton had requested that all files relating to his postmortem remain secret for 70 years. Yep. But in, in the summer of 2010, Attorney General Dominique Grave was said to consider an inquiry to review the suicide findings, and Justice Secretary Ken Clark considered a request from campaigning doctors to release medical files relating to his death. And... There's a UN, uh, Richard Spurzell, a UN weapons inspector, said that he uh, Kelly was on a hit list in the final years of his life. Former head of the UN biological section who worked closely with Kelly in Iraq in the 90s wrote to Attorney General Grieve that about mysterious circumstances surrounding Kelly's death. In July 2010, a former KGB agent, Boris Kapichkov, said he was told Kelly had been exterminated and his death made to look like a suicide. Daily Mail. Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein himself came out and said by name David Kelly. And when he kicked out the inspectors, he called David Kelly out by name and said, I want David Kelly gone. Like, so there's even the U.S., even the Brit government and the U.S. government, they had reason to kill him. But so did Saddam Hussein. So it's not just one group of people hunting him down or two people hunting him down. There's multiple different actors that wanted that man with a bullet in his head or, or you know, oxygen inside his heart muscle, you know? Right. And here's a doozy. That 70-year closure of the postmortem that we thought was closed for 70 years, guess what? In October of 2010, the postmortem that Hutton had requested to be re- sealed for 70 years to, quote, protect the family was made public by the new government. So the postmortem is public. And a report by Dr. Nicholas Hunt stated, it is in my opinion that the main factor involving involved in bringing about the death of David Kelly is the bleeding from the incised wounds to his left wrist. Had this not occurred, he may well not have died at this time. Furthermore, on the balance of probabilities, it is likely that the ingestion of an excess number of co-proximal tablets coupled with apparently clinically silent coronary artery disease would both have played a part in bringing about death more certainly and more rapidly than would have otherwise been the case. Therefore, I give the cause of death 1A, hemorrhage, 1B, incised wounds to the left wrist, two, coproximal ingestion, and coronary artery atherosclerosis. They tried to exhume his body in 2011, I believe, and the family had essentially authorized this, but the government ordered his cremation further presenting any inquiries into the man's death. Thus, case closed. So what happened? (laughs) Yeah. He killed himself? That's what they say, man. And I... 
I look at it like this. I look at it qui bono. Um, who benefits? Um, can you make the case that he benefited by his own death? Yeah, you can. Can you make the can you make the the case that Saddam Hussein and the Ba'ath Party would benefit by his death? Revenge? Oh hell yes. Can you make the case that the U.S. government would really want this gentleman who's blowing the who could blow and was going to blow, in my opinion, the doors wide open of the Iraq War, so that everybody yeah, in the, the world, true intentions of you know, why they were invading Iraq. Which, which we now know, and it's pretty. Every, you know, I can't say everybody, but the vast majority of people that I know, um, who have really spent any time looking into it, know he went in for false pretenses. Right. Um, so, but he was gonna he was gonna break that out years before everybody else caught wind of it. Would they want his death? Yes. Would England, who were the ones who really originally did the lie, and. Um, it, it's the reason why Tony Blair was ousted from office, or major reason why was, he was ousted from office a few years later. Um, you know, it, it, it stands the reason that they would want him dead, too. So, boing! Um, so, if they wa- so if they wanted him dead, too, um, what would be the best way to kill him? We well, can't kill him at home, right? You need to make it look like a suicide, Okay. Um, because if you just off him, then the the real qui bono is you know he just spoke in front of the you know the House of Commons, and it was not too kind to the government, it wasn't too unkind, it wasn't too kind either. Um, and then that would point the the fingers at at them. So what would you realistically do? You would you would go ahead and kill him, make it look like a suicide, um, muddy the waters enough. Uh, to act as a warning to somebody else and move on. Um, I think we're in agreement that that's what we think happened. Are you, am I right in that? Definitely. Um, I don't think we need another episode on this. I think we've. Well, there's. I think there's, we... there's more to it because I want to get into how they found his body. Um, and and also when the, I also want to get into one other thing about the police visiting his house. When they went ahead and called nine one one at eleven o'clock at night to start to start looking for him, we can definitely um, put, we can definitely put together another episode on that. That's true yeah, because you know right now we're we're we're, we're thinking he killed himself. You know the the, the, the dynamic of this discussion has. I, if I were, if I were listening right now, I'd think yeah yeah the, the dude killed himself. You know, it, the evidence is there, but you know, there's there's the <clears throat> the postmortem, the autopsy, mm-hmm. uh, and the gross negligence performed at the autopsy. Uh, there's the you know what we had already mentioned, the denial of the exhumation of his body and subsequent cremation. There is outcry for an official investigation. The doctors that investigated the case afterwards say that there are discrepancies, you know. But I think we should go ahead and, and wrap it up for tonight. And I want to take a, okay. I want to take a second to talk about our next topic of discussion, which I'm excited to talk about. Um, after the next episode, where we discuss the evidence surrounding his death, how he was found, you know, all, all of that. That, that. We can do an hour of that. I want to talk about how we were all brainwashed by the CIA with sex, drugs, rock and roll. Hell yeah, baby. The finer things in life. Talk about the uh, Laurel Canyon conspiracy. I don't think many, many, many people talk about that. And uh, I think it's been an interesting topic of discussion. That being and, uh, said, you... And I could say one thing about this. I, I remember David Kelly only on the surface. Um, and then when you told me, hey, let's, let's, let's talk about this guy. And I looked into it. I was absolutely amazed about David Kelly. Um, and, you know, I bought books, watched hours of tape, read hundreds of pages. 
And uh, this next topic has me excited, man. Uh, I had no idea that this thing existed. I had no idea that this was even a thing. And you, once you start researching all the connections, you're like, what? Oh my God, is our culture really, really that like chosen for us? That is so cool. You were manipulated on such a massive scale. If that's what you believe. I mean, you know, there's a lot to get into, you know, the doors, Morrison's father, top, top level fucking military clearance, like the the Zappas all came from military, Uh, you know, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. So excited about that. Excited that you are my friend, Hollis. And uh, we're coming up. We're coming up on 13 years of good, solid friendship without waiver. And uh, I am thankful for you. I will work on editing, and we'll get some good interstitial music in here, and maybe throw in some ads, and we will have a beautiful episode to premiere this week. Uh, should be, I'd say, this episode will roll out on the 15th of October. So happy. Spooks month, and um, thanks for listening, guys. Hollis, always anything you'd like to say to the audience? Uh, well, whenever this finds you, whether it be morning, noon, or night, um, evening or midday, um, I hope everything's going well with you and yours. And uh, the one thing that I would like to say to everybody is every once in a while, ask a friend, How are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? And, uh, you know, he's got to think sun came up this morning. So that means there's hope. And what did the sun do this morning, John? It rose. It rose. So there's always hope, baby. We love you, man. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys. Peace out. <laughs>